your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this Thursday afternoon, well, almost early evening uh, episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow this show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, library low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So this is our first post-mortem episode um, as the Pittsburgh Penguins season has officially come to an end. A 5-3 embarrassing loss to the New York Islanders as they lose the series in six games. Um, the Penguins would have won in six games had they won game five and then won last night. They will be getting to ready to play Boston on Saturday night at PPG Paints Arena, but um, that will have to potentially wait until next year. Um, and, you know, we've already seen a lot of takes, you know, on Penn's Twitter as, as expected. You know, you're going to have a lot of people say one thing. You're going to have a lot of people say other things, and it's just going to be a Accessible until next season. That, that, that is what is this is going to be like because, you know, as the core gets a bit older, the window starts to slam shut. I mean, you're just going to have people just saying stuff for the sake of saying shit. But as I tweeted last night, you know, don't listen to these people that say, oh my God, bro, like let's trade Evgeny Malkin. Let's trade Chris Letang. If anyone is saying that, don't give them the time of day. Tell them to shut the hell up. It's just, it really does not even need to be discussed. Chris Letang had his best playoffs, honestly, I think since 2016, you know, his overall play, I thought, in both zones was just fantastic. I mean, he had six points in the six games, averaged 28 minutes a game, and this comes courtesy of Danny of the Pens blog. His 5v5 uh, Corsi share at 60%, expected goal share at 57%. I know he was on the ice for more goals than he was... Wait, let me rephrase that. I know he was on the ice for more goals against than he was for goals for, but I mean, he's also going up against the top competition. So sometimes that is a little bit expected, but he put up some fantastic numbers this postseason. And if anyone is thinking that they should trade Chris Letang, um, you just obviously do not watch the series. And, you know, I had Chad on the podcast yesterday and, you know, I agree with him wholeheartedly that I will use Chris Letang um, as my kind of my test to see if you actually know what you're talking about when it comes to hockey and the Penguins. And if you think Crystal Tang is bad or that he had a bad playoffs or anything really resembling a lot of negative towards him, I'm just going to assume that you don't know what you're talking about when it comes to this team or this sport. But Latang was incredible last night. He was awesome all series. Bring him back and then sign him to a three to four year extension. And I'll say the same thing about Evgeny Malkin. He was sensational those last couple games. You could really see that he was starting to move his knee a lot more. He definitely was not 100%. I mean, that was obvious. Apparently, I read in Josh Yoey's article that a couple Islander players uh, were telling him that he was soft for missing the two games. I mean, that's par for the course for the Islanders and their franchise. I'm not really going to say my overall thoughts on it, but, um, you know, he, he did respond with two really nice games. And I think he had overall, when his, when he came back, I think he had five points in the last four games um, if you add it all up. So he was really good. And again, they're not going to trade him this offseason. He is going to retire with Sidney Crosby. End of story. Stop talking about it. Another thing that I have seen that is really also starting to piss me off um, you know, I, 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 this whole, I might just dedicate this whole segment to stuff that I've seen in the last 24 hours that has pissed me off. But, you know, this is the first, first, um, post-mortem episode, excuse me. I'm sorry for stuttering so much. 
Um, I have seen this Jake Gensel talk and that the Penguins should look to shop him and that they should trade him. And it's like, I don't know where this is coming from. Um, I guess it's a lot of radio shock jock hosts who are just looking for clicks and looking for attention. I tweeted this last night, people. You are going to see a lot of takes just from people who they, they want to say stuff for the sake of saying stuff because they know it's going to drive reaction. They're doing it to troll. They're doing it to get reaction out of you. Do not listen to those people. And that starts as well with Jake Gensel. I mean, I understand he didn't put up the production that a lot of people wanted him to in the postseason, but this wasn't for a lack of effort. I mean, I know he only had one goal and I think only a couple points in the six games, but he led the team in high danger chances. He led the team in shot attempts. He led the team in shots on goal. What more do you want him to do? I understand he didn't produce, but you know, you got to give a little bit of credit to God on the other side where the Penguins got Yaroslav Halak in this series where Ilya Sorokin was around 940 to 950. That's now the third straight year where they ran into a goaltender. I know this was a much different team where the goalie has gone 940-950 against them and the Penguins just haven't had the goaltending to keep up with that. I mean, it's just, it sucks, but you know, you got to give credit to the goalie for stopping all of Jake Gensel's chances. And he obviously was frustrated throughout. And I know the Islanders were uh, putting him through hell, I think in that series by just being physical with him, but he still led the team in high danger chances, like I said, led the team in shot attempts, led the team in shots on goal, and had plenty of scoring chances for it at 5v5 while playing with Sidney Crosby. He was not the problem in this series, and I guarantee you, if you look to trade Jake Gensel and you do ultimately trade Jake, uh, you will lose any trade that you make with him 1,000 times out of a thousand. Um, it is ludicrous to suggest trading him. He makes six million per year and is one of the five to ten best pure goal scorers in hockey. Um, it's just, it's a non-discussion for me. You really need to stop. People need to stop thinking about trading Jake Gensel because it's just not going to happen. Um, some other stuff that I am seeing, um, you know, let's just also talk about this. You know, I wonder if fans will try to spin this any way they want. Like, oh yeah, man, there were other factors as to why, you know, we as Islander fans, why we won this series. And it's like, there really was not. Please read Adam Gretz's article on Pro Hockey Talk today, which basically sums up the series in a nutshell. You know, one team, the Penguins, got really shitty goaltending, you know, pardon my language, uh, where he the Penguins actually had the third worst save percentage in a playoff series in the Sid Gino era. The, uh, the top two are obviously Marc-Andre Fleury from 2010 and 2012. Or my, I, I think it's two, it's two of 2010, 2012, and 2013. Two of them are in the top two, and then I think 2013 is right behind it, or one of them is. Anyways, um, but like I said, one team had goaltending where it was 883 and Tristan Jari was a joke, and then the other team had 940, 950 goaltending and basically stole the show. Thank you very much. That is why the Islanders won this series. It is really not more complicated than that. Like I said, they will try to spin this any way they want, saying, oh my God, we shut down Sidney Crosby. We shut down Evgeny Malkin. Hint, hint. They really did not shut down Evgeny Malkin. He was a point-per-game player, as was Chris Letang. And Sidney Crosby, I understand he was not good defensively in that game yesterday, but he also was one of the Penguins' best players in this series. And again, it was not for lack of effort or trying. You know, people are going to say, as well, like, oh, yeah, Pelic and Pulak took, took their lunch. That is not anything. That's not even close to true. Sid was on the ice for a hell of a lot more shot attempts for than shot attempts against. Was on the ice for plenty more high danger chances for than high danger chances against while they were both on the ice. Again, what was the main difference? Ilya Sorokin was God and shut Sid down. I mean, like I said, you have to give credit to the goalie between the pipes 
for really playing a great series, and he is going to be a pain in the ass for probably the next six to seven years, as he looks like he is going to be the Islanders' long-term starter. I know they still have Simeon Varlamov there for the next two years, but this is probably Ilya Sorokin's team for the foreseeable future with how he played, especially against Pittsburgh. But again, you know, I thought Sid was great. I understand he was not good defensively um, last night, but again, it was not for lack of trying. He also, I think, was top three on the team in leading the team in shot attempts, scoring chances for shots on goal, and high danger chances for per 60. There was nothing that Trotz's system did that shut down Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel as well. It was just Ilya Sorokin having a great series, which is basically par for the course of the last two runs where Carey Price was awesome in the bubble against them, and then Robin Leonard was also really good against them in 2019, even though I blame the Penguins' defensive structure in that series a hell of a lot more um, than the Penguins' goaltending. But I did really want to get all of that off my chest in the first segment. Again, basically, in in a short summary, the Penguins got goalied. That is why they lost. And I hope Ron Hextall and Brian Burke don't make too many reactionary moves to it. And I obviously don't think that they will. You know, Ron Hextall has always been known to be a very patient general manager. If Jim Rutherford were still in charge of this team, um, I think you'd probably be seeing a lot of reactionary moves this summer. But, I mean, there, there really just needs to be a few tweaks. And I'm going to get to that coming up in the next segment. But, I understand everyone's frustration for this series. I get it. You know, I'm frustrated too. You know, last night was probably the most frustrated I've been with the team, or not really with the team, the most frustrated I've been um, with the goaltending um, probably since 2012 because Tristan Jari pulled um, a full Marc-Andre Fleury performance and totally cost them uh, one of their last real shots at a Stanley Cup. And honestly, you know, I just, I feel bad for the players, you know, the forwards and the defensemen because they played their tails off in this series. I mean, they took it to the Islanders in five of these six games. I mean, if people are going to sit here and think the Penguins did not play them in five of the six games this series, I don't really know what people watched. Um, I understand a lot of people are going to praise Barry Trotz and people are going to be like, well, you know, Trotz beat Sullivan again. And it's like, really guys, it was Tristan Jari lost to, to Barry Trotz this time. I mean, that basically is the summary of this series. Barry Trotz didn't do anything new tactically with his system to hinder the Penguins. The Penguins came into the offensive zone basically every shift in five of the six games and usually got a scoring chance off um, without hesitation and just really easily. So I really don't understand where that narrative is coming from as well. I understand that I think Mike Sullivan did make a mistake by keeping Jari in that game last night. I personally would have went to, like I say, after the fourth goal. Definitely not the... I mean, definitely after the fifth goal, but I think after the fourth goal is when I would have pulled him. And, you know, who would have said this before the series that the Penguins really missed Casey DeSmith coming in here? Because um, I definitely agree with the take that I saw last night from someone that um, had Casey DeSmith been healthy for this game six, you definitely would have seen him start. And I think if he starts that game, I think the Penguins come away with the win, especially with how he, excuse me, not he, especially with how the rest of the team played last night. I mean, they took the lead three separate times, for God's sake. But those are my first thoughts after game six and going a little bit into the offseason. Going into the next segment, I'm going to talk about what Ron Hextall and Brian Burke need to do this offseason to make sure that this team can make another run at this going into next season because I 100% think that they have the capability to do so even though the window is shutting a lot faster um, than you know I think a lot of people realize. But before we do that, it's time to talk about rockauto.com. It's a family business starting on a car 
Auto part customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto body parts on hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The Rock Auto catalog is unique and very easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always right below and the same professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why should you spend it to twice as much for the same parts you can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And you can write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing collection, reliably low prices, all the parts you will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So, Let's get to, obviously, what comes next for the scene because, of course, this is the third straight first-round exit for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, yes, everyone, there will be some changes. Let's get to something that I did see last night um, that d- definitely caught me a little bit off guard. You know, I, maybe I'm not um, super surprised by it, but I, in a way, I am a little bit. And that's Josh Yoey in his 10 post-game thoughts for The Athletic is reporting that the Penguins intend to keep or protect Jeff Carter in the expansion draft. Um, in my opinion, I see that as a mistake. Um, let me just say this. I love Jeff Carter. He had th- basically 16 points in 20 games, 13 of them goals, um, was one of the best players down the stretch. And I think was one of their top two best players in the playoffs. I mean, he had what four goals in six games. Um, he was just sensational. You look at his underlying numbers. I think he was on the ice for over 60, 65% of the expected goals. His course he share, I think was right around the same. He was sensational in the playoffs and he definitely deserves to come back with the same. I mean, they're not going to dump him here or anything. He just fits the team so well. That being said, I just think there are are other pressing players that they need to protect in the expansion draft over Jeff Carter. I mean, does anyone really sincerely think that the Seattle Kraken, which uh, is a team built with a lot of analytic staff, I mean, Ron Francis is a good GM, but he's hired a whole analytical staff. Does anyone really think that one of the first players they're going to take is 36, 37-year-old Jeff Carter? I just, I really don't see it. They're obviously going to want to start young. I mean, when you're building a franchise for the first time, you want to have a young team. You want, you don't want a team full of veteran players. And for the Penguins, I just think, you know, that definitely means that, you know, one or potentially two of Teddy Bluger, Jared McCann, Kasperi Kapanen, or Brandon Tanev are going to be exposed, which, you know, is definitely going to be very interesting. And I'll also uh, throw Zach Aston Reese in there. You know, I've said on this podcast before, you know, you're obviously going to protect Crosby Malkin, Rustin Gensel. Those are no-brainers. I would also protect Jared McCann. I think that's a no-brainer too. Now, if you're putting Jeff Carter into that mix, that means, like, again, you have to choose between Teddy Bluger, Kasperi Kapanen, Brandon Tanev. You know, who else are you going to protect? In my opinion, you know, I would go, aside from the big four, McCann, Bluger, and Kapanen, and then leave the rest exposed and honestly dare Seattle to take Brandon Tanev's contract from you. I don't want them to take Brandon Tanev, but it would give the Penguins a bit of cap flexibility for this offseason um, when they do um, probably get a goalie, which I am going to get to later on in this episode. But I just disagree agree with them potentially protecting Carter. Um, if they protect Carter, then I can 100% honestly see them protecting um, Tanev as well. That just screams like a player that 
uh, Brian Burke would want to protect just because, you know, he's, he's great defensively, plays with an edge, he's physical, you know, don't want to bring a knife to a gunfight kind of way, as Brian Burke has said so many times with his Penguins tenure already. Uh, I, again, I wouldn't protect Brandon Tanev. You all have heard the players that I would protect, especially the forwards. Um, but, you know, I, I understand where they're coming from when it comes to Carter. I just wouldn't do it myself. I, I would protect Kapanen over him. And, you know, you could make the argument to protect um, Carter over Kapanen, especially because uh, Kapanen shot really high this year. I think his shooting percentage was well over his career norm. If I can just look this up real quick on Hockey Reference. I, I think I read somewhere that it was... Um, 17%, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just see this um, real quick. I mean, he obviously was close to a point-per-game player. Um, I'm, I don't know why I can't find his shooting percentage um, with the team here. I mean, I'm just... I think I'm just lost. I don't really understand why. No, so yeah, basically, I found it here. I'm sorry for all the bad radio. He shot 16.2%. I mean, that, his career best was 12.7 in 20, 2018 with Toronto. His best year in the league when he had 44 points, it was only at 11.5%. So that's definitely going to regress. And again, you you, you can definitely argue that they should protect Carter over Kapanen. But in my opinion, with what Kapanen did this year, uh, I would still protect him over Carter again. But my expansion protected list, this is probably not going to be what the Penguins do. My protected list at this point, the big four forwards, like I just said, Teddy Bluger, um, Jared McCann, and Kasperi Kapman with the three defensemen of Dumoulin, Latang, and I, I don't know, Patterson, Matheson, it doesn't really matter who they protect. And then I honestly protect Casey DeSmith in expansion. I am not protecting Tristan Jari, and they def definitely should not. But yeah, they definitely, I think, will protect Casey DeSmith, as I think he will be on the team next year. But that's the first order of business is the expansion draft. Uh, but we'll see who they inevitably uh, protect as this thing is in a couple months. Other stuff. Um, this is not a team that you need to blow up, you need to start the rebuild, because if you trade a big gun, um, you are signaling to everyone around the league, and especially the Penguins fan base, that this run is over and that you are going to rebuild. And trust me, this is going to be a very long process once the team eventually rebuilds. We were all there during the early 2000 years where the team was so bad for a few years before Sidney Crosby came in. You know, Mary Lemieux obviously retired um, second time, and, you know, the, the Yager trade and all that. So, you know, you're definitely going to go back to that, you know, that 03-04 team, which was one of the worst teams in existence. It, it, it may not be as bad as that, but it's going to be close. But like I said, you will be signaling to everyone around the league that you are ready to rebuild, and that's not what we're doing here. you you got to take another run at this, another couple runs, I think at least, to try to get Sid and Gino one more cup before they eventually retire. First order business, what are the contracts looking like for uh, Gino and Tanger? In my opinion, you give Latang and Gino three to four year contracts. I mean, we'll have to see what the price tag will be. I think Latang will probably not make more than over $7 million per. I think it might be a little less. For Gino, we'll have to see what he wants, but you know, just have the big three guns retire here for the rest of their careers. You know, I think that's what Maria wants. Um, but you know, as for other stuff, you know, like I said, you will hear a lot of takes about trading this guy and trading that guy. Um, but this is what I will say outside of Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Jake Gensel, Jared McCann, Brian Dumoulin, Chris Letang, John Marino, and Casey DeSmith, well, no, I shouldn't even say Casey DeSmith. Outside of those players, 
Everyone else on the team is touchable. Those players that I mentioned are untouchable. You do not move them. And you notice that I did leave Brian Rust out, and this is why. I love Brian Rust, but you know Dan Hopper, who does great stuff on Penguins Twitter, brought up a really good point today when you know Rob Rossi apparently went on the 93.7 The Fan and talked about how the Penguins might listen to offers for uh, Gensel, which you know they probably won't, John Marino, which is just stupid. Don't even get me started on that. They will not trade John Marino, and then Brian Rust. But you know Dan had a really good take here with the fact that Rust is he's a great player. You know I've talked about Rust being awesome for so many years now, um, but he only has one year left on his contract at $3.5 million per, and he's going to be 30 years old once that contract is up. You don't think a lot of GMs are going to be thinking, oh, let's go for a five, six-year term here, five to six million per. Really don't want the Penguins, as cap-strapped as they are, to really give him that next contract. If you can get you know, a high pick plus a pretty decent player in return for him, um, I think you might have to do it um, as much as it pains me to say it and move on from him. But, you know, if you don't get that in a trade, you obviously keep him and make another run at this with him. But, you know, you would have to really blow my doors off to, I think, um, trade Ross. But he's not untouchable, like I said. The four big forwards I mentioned, um, they are untouchable, especially McCann. He's not going to go anywhere. You probably aren't going to trade Jeff Carter. You know, I might put him in an untouchable there as well. And then the defenseman that I mentioned, everyone else I think you can listen on. Um, again, you know, they probably won't move on from Teddy Bluger. You know, we'll have to see what happens with a player like Ashton Reese. Brandon Tanev, you know, I, I'm sure he, we'll see if he's on the team next year with, with what Seattle does. But that is my opinion as to who is untouchable for this team going into the offseason um, and who is not um, untouchable. But that basically, well, almost sum, sums it up. I do want to say one more thing. This team just needs a few tweaks. You know, do you want to go out and move Marcus Pedersen and move his contract out, see if you can find a taker for him, and then maybe move P.O. Joseph up? You know, that's definitely doable, and I think the Penguins know that P.O. Joseph is just about ready to play in the league full-time. You saw it this year with how well he played before he got elevated to the top pairing. Do you want to try to find a taker for Jason Zucker and his $5.5 million cap hit? Well, you'll have to see, but again, I thought he played his tail off in the playoffs as well. I mean, this is a good player. Like, like don't get me wrong. You know, the, the nice Jewish boy, as I like to call him here, he is a really good player. It was just a very tough and weird year for him where the puck just did not go in the net. And you saw him with that rush last night. I actually think um, it led to the first goal, I think, with Jeff Carter. Just he was able to spring it up to Kapanen, who got it to Carter, and he was able to go five hole on Sorokin. And then that uh, third goal last night to make it three to two before all hell broke loose again. Um, just a brilliant tip past Sorokin. And, you know, that was what was missing from Zucker this season. And, you know, and if that's the level of play that you can get from him on a consistent basis next season, you keep him. But again, it's going to be interesting to see here. I've already seen people say that maybe you sign Brandon Saad in free agency and dump Zucker. We got to see how much Brandon Saad wants. I understand he's a hometown kid. He's from Pittsburgh. But, you know, I, I like to think that he might cost a decent amount of money to come. And I really don't want the Penguins to sign him to a whole bunch of turn with how much uh, tread is on those tires already. But we'll have to see what decision they make there with Zucker. Do you try to find a taker for Mike Matheson's contract? It, probably not, just because there's so many years left on it. But who knows? This this regime does not have any loyalty to these players. You all have to remember that. This is not Jim Rutherford who sees one type of player and has to acquire them because he's best friends with them. I mean, Ron Hexton and Brian Burke have no loyalty 
to any of these players. So um, it is basically a clean slate for what they want to do with this team. I feel a lot better going into this offseason with Ron at the helm because it seems like Burke kind of just is allowing him to be the GM and making the final decisions. I think Burke is just there, you know, for PR purposes and talking to the media a bit more and just, you know, basically answering to Morehouse. You know, I think this mainly is Hextall's team. And then again, you know, the big question, which I am going to talk in the next segment a little bit, what do you do with the goaltending? I mean, you're not going to bring back Christian Jari and Casey DeSmith as your tandem next year. You just, you can't, you know, what is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing every time, but expecting different results. They're just not going to do that. If you do that, you will uh, just waste away another year at trying to get another championship for Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Milk, and I just really can't see them doing that. But I'm going to touch on some goaltending talk in the next segment. Before we do that, it's time to talk about Bet online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on your sports section. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for our sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC action. For the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or phone and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your phone to sign up today and receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts with a promo code locked on. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So let's get into the elephant in the room, and that is the goaltending talk for next season. As I teased in the last segment, you cannot bring this tandem as a whole back for next season. Again, it is the doing the definition of an insanity. Tristan Jari cannot be your starter next year. I don't really know how much more I can be, be clear on this. If you want to bring Casey DeSmith back, I'm all for that. I actually think he had a really good season and at 1.1.25 million or something like that. I think that's good value for a 1B kind of uh, goalie. Now, there's obviously a huge glut of goalies hit in the free agent market. There's probably going to be a couple available. If you want to swing for the fences, maybe try to swing a John Gibson trade, the local Pittsburgh product, but Anaheim's going to have to ask, probably ask for the farm, and I don't think Ron Hextall's going to want to do that. Okay, maybe you scratch that one off the list. Another one that you may look at, you go to Vegas, and no, I'm not talking Marc-Andre Fleury, I'm talking Robin Leonard. Um, Fleury has had a magnificent season for Vegas. I know... Uh, Vegas also just signed Leonard to an extension, and he makes $5 million per, but maybe you make Vegas eat a little bit of money on that, because do they really want to go into next season with $12 million per um, with their goaltenders? I mean, I think that's just kind of foolish, in my opinion, and it would just make all the sense in the world for Pittsburgh to not only have Leonard there for the next three to four years, I mean, that. I mean, it also basically just lines up with the end of their window because Sid, Gino, and Latang's contracts will all expire, I think, in the next um, four to five years. So, um, but also, he, he probably won't make all of his $5 million per with Pittsburgh just because of with how cap-strapped the Penguins are. So, I would definitely look to Robin Leonard and see if Vegas wants to move on for him with, how, with what the season that Marc-Andre Fleury is having because you can definitely make the case that he should win the Vezina, and I think he would be number one on my Vesna ballot, um, in my opinion, um, at least. But that again, that's another big option. Another one that I saw uh, thrown out there, who's actually at the top of my list, and it's the free agent market, is Linus Olmark. 
Drew 915 goaltender in Buffalo. Um, I know he has his injury problems, but if you're playing good in freaking Buffalo with the disaster that they were this season and you're putting up close to 920 with them, um, you're, you definitely caught my eye um, in my book. And you can probably get him on a two to three year deal for not a lot of money. He probably won't even cost four million per, in my opinion. So I, I and I understand he doesn't have um, a lot of NHL experience, but I think he has enough where you definitely can take the chance on that and have him be your 1A to 1B to Casey DeSmith. I've seen Peter Morozik on there. I think he makes sense as well. If you want to go full chaos and try to get Tuka Rask, if he hits the free agent market, um, very unlikely, by the way, everyone. They're not going to probably get Tuka Rask from Boston. They'd have to do a whole lot of cap moving with that. A couple of my buddies have said they, said they can try to probably carry Price out of Montreal. Again, very unlikely to happen. You'd have to move a lot of cap to try to do that. Um, but in any case, everyone, the biggest thing for the Penguins to being a contender next season, they got to get this goaltending move right. You can bring back almost the entire team next season, say for someone going to Seattle or making a couple trades along the edges, and they can compete. You have the four centers as of right now. Um, down the middle that it's just it's a nightmare to go up against you have the forward depth which is the best forward depth we've seen in the last four to five years since they went back to back you have a defense well where it, it's not top five in the league and it definitely has a little bit of flaws but it's still a really good defensive corps which this team has not had these last few years you know obviously Cody Cece might walk you know maybe he, you don't want to pay him know two and a half to three million per for his next contract i totally understand that with how with how cap shop the penguins are um you, maybe he can go cash out somewhere you can just move chad ruedel into there in your number six spot or just move p.o joseph into there as well it really would not bother me in the slightest but overall as this team stands today they can definitely go and make another run at it and i'm really curious to see what Ron Hextall does this offseason and what he says at his end of season press conference with Brian Burke. You know, hopefully he just goes out there and when someone asks what went wrong, he just goes, Yeah, we got goalied. Next question. I just I really want Ron to say that. But you know, this is also the GM, as I saw a Flyers fan say on Twitter last night, you know, Kirk from um the SB Nation Flyers site, this is a GM after something like this who will probably not do a lot. And I think that's exactly what the Penguins need. Just, you know, fill out the outer edges of the roster and just do a good job with it. Go get a goalie and make another run at this next season. I, I think it's as simple as that. Again, this season in the playoffs, they got goalied. They outplayed the Islanders in five of the six games. They were they had a significant edge and shot attempts and shots on goal and high danger chances and scoring chances for. I know in the end it doesn't matter, and that frustrates a lot of people who don't like analytics. Trust me, I get it. You know, at the end of the day, you look at wins and losses. You know, the Islanders, you know, they won the series. Congrats to them. You know, we'll see how they do against Boston. Um, I'm not really going to pick them against the Bruins because I honestly don't think the Bruins will tear them apart. Um, at the end of the day, guys. This team got goalied. There is no other way to say it. If you're looking for other reasons as to why they lost this series, you're just, you're grasping for straws. You know, it's, I can't be more clear than that. But I think that'll do it for this episode of Locked on Penguins podcast. And again, everyone, thank you all so much for listening to me on the second season of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I know it was a wild ride and this was a season unlike any other, but I really appreciate Every single one of you tuning in to this podcast, whether it's just for one episode or it's all 288 episodes. And if you've done the latter, uh, God bless you. But um, I really can't thank all of you enough. It was so great to talk to you all on my personal Twitter and on the Locked On Penguins Twitter. But the content 
does not stop there. We're going to keep going five days a week through June. We'll have to see what happens in July, but I can tell you all right now that for the month of June, you will be getting a Penguins podcast basically every weekday as you know, this is going to be a wild off season. There's going to be a lot of movement around the league. I know there's going to be a flat cap, but with expansion and um, just everything else with free agency, you probably will see a lot of movement and, you know, keep it right here on Locked on Penguins. I'm going to have everything for you here um, with the off-season content. I can't wait to bring you all um, just more awesome stuff as we get further and further into summer. But again, thank you all so much for listening to not only this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast, but to all the episodes of this podcast during the second season. And I'll chat with you all tomorrow as we'll finish off this week of the Locked on Penguins podcast.